Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It is the 15th of December, 2016, and it's our last show of 2016. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. Dave, happy Christmas, brother. This is our last show of the year. It is. It is indeed. Another, uh, another one in the books, eh? Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, 10 years or so of making uh, radio on first Webmaster Radio and now Cranberry.fm. We are going to be back for a full season in 2017, as I understand. We're going to be back for a full season in 2017. And, uh, you know, the end of the year is a really good time to look back at stuff that happened over the previous year. But let's face it, the previous year kind of sucked for everyone. Like. <laughs> And I, I don't know, what is it? Is, is it the optimist in humans? I guess in our industry, we're all optimists by nature. But, uh, you know, we believe that we got this new found, this, 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 this new foundation coming just a couple weeks from now because of a special date on the calendar, uh, January 1st, 2017. And hopefully everything's going to be all better because 2016 sucked. I know, and a lot of that had nothing to do with tech. Like, it wasn't even in our industry. Right? It was just like, yep, glad this one's gone, and uh, and looking forward to the next one. Well, you know, a lot of cool things did happen in 2016 in our industry. It was a time of momentous change. Uh, I, bet, I, I, would, I would warrant that more change happened in uh, SEO and search in general in 2016 than, say, the five years previously put together yeah yeah i mean you know what and and we might have kind of been seeing the end of the yahoo debacle and yet uh no more news has come out making that a nightmare but we'll cover that and just, well, <laughs> just I mean, why, you know what why not go there now i mean it's not like we're ever going to go there again right <laughs> you know what i keep thinking we're not uh but but yes we did um <laughs> How much is Marissa actually getting paid? I mean, seriously. You know what? At this point, uh, over. Like, whatever it is, <laughs> it's, it's too much. Um, like, at, at, at this. Like, I mean, I, I understand not all things are, are her fault, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, the, 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 the latest model for, for our listeners who don't know. Um, and this came on my radar yesterday uh, morning, so, and I, I know the news sources are still showing it right now. Um, Yahoo disclosed a new hack of one billion accounts, a, a billion, making it the largest in history um, individual hack. Now, here's where it becomes a bigger problem for Yahoo. Now, largest, largest history in the, in, in, or largest hack in history. That, that, uh, and, and yet, it takes a special kind of Yahoo to make the scenario even worse. <laughs> and so they went ahead and did that uh, by not disclosing. Now, this happened in 2013, mind you. They didn't disclose that to Verizon, the purchaser um, of, of Yahoo itself, Yahoo Search. That was not disclosed. So now Verizon's finding out about this, and they did find out after the fact. But now Verizon's found out about this after the fact and after the offer and is now considering sort of going back to the table because, of course, this is a critical piece of information, and it takes a critical piece of information to adjust a, 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 an agreed-to bargain of, of their type, but here we are. Um, that wasn't disclosed ahead of time. I think everybody would say the largest hack in history is a major piece of information, um, and Yahoo knew it at the time, didn't disclose it. So they, they've managed to make their scenario worse. Hey, Jim and Dave, yeah, okay, can I so, come in here real quick? I have some word from the hackers to the million of people of Yahoo that were hacked. They left the oh, message yeah? for us on a special email to cranberry.fm. Uh, they said, Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> well, Blade Brasco. 
it's hard to it's hard to fathom that a hack of that magnitude could have happened three years ago. So who knows what data had been exposed, what passwords had been exposed, and how much work people were doing in Yahoo systems. Uh, you got to remember a lot of a lot of Yahoo's products that people used on a daily basis. There was a lot more of them in 2013 than there is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were people who were using Yahoo Yahoo Finance to purchase and sell stocks. How much of their financial information was was made available to criminal hackers three years ago without being reported? And for Verizon, for Verizon, they didn't just buy a whole bunch of patents along with a search engine. They also bought Yahoo's user base. Now, if you were Dave, and I know you're not, but if you were. <laughs> A dependent Yahoo user. I mean, by now, wouldn't you just sort of be throwing your hands up in the air and finding other platforms to use? Yeah, or I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> so how many? Uh, Yahoo reported that they had over a billion users of their products, a billion like different accounts of some sort or another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After the news was released yesterday, that three years ago, over a billion a billion users in the Yahoo system got hacked, how many people have bugged out of there making, making the purchase, the whatever, whatever uh, purchase price Verizon set, completely meaningless today? Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's a, well, and, and the numbers you listed are just fantastic. I mean, not fantastic. They're horrible for Yahoo, but they really illustrate the problem. So there's about a billion users, and now we're finding out about a billion accounts got hacked. <laughs> These numbers are really similar. <laughs> like this is Weird, a big, huh? big problem for them. So basically, everybody you just bought is ticked off at us right now, and many of them didn't even know they should be until right now. Which right, like I have like a Yahoo really? account. I just found out this news too. But I mean, I have one. I mean, I don't use it. I just used it for Flickr. But <laughs> I had one, um, and I assume it's somewhere in their system. Do I have a lot of concern? No, but I mean, tell me the truth, Dave. Do you even remember whatever password you used at Yahoo? No, I cared that much. <laughs> See, that, that, that makes me feel a bit better because um, a few months ago, uh, Barry Green, uh, uh, old technology hands will remember Barry Green as the king of the uh, B-level search engines mm-hmm. and search directories from, from years back. He writes me and says, hey, Jim, your Yahoo account is sending me spam. So I write him back and say, and say, hey, Barry, what Yahoo account? <laughs> and then I remember, yeah, I had this old Yahoo email that I used, uh, heck, when I was at Stepforth. Right. Like, ages ago. And uh, damned if I can remember the password. So anyone who's getting all this, like, spammy email from Yahoo um, in my name, um, it's completely my fault because I don't remember the password. And now that as many people yeah. who have Yahoo accounts, but they haven't used them forever. Yeah. Oi. Um, so, yeah, Yahoo, billion people. <laughs> you, got, you got burned, folks. You all got screwed bad. Um, and that might mean you should uh, check with your banks and credit card companies, go back in time. And just, you know, make sure that your your personal identity is safe. And that's going to be a hassle over Christmas for who the heck knows how many people. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, what's next? There was this so article have... that, was, uh, that, that got published in Search Engine Journal the other day. Yep. 44 experts. Started with 42, but then Mike Green weighed in, and he's, he's big enough for two. Um. <laughs> You and I were both uh, both included as uh, part of the 44 experts. It was a pretty cool experience. Um, it was nice that you and I agreed on almost all of our points. Yeah. Uh, what did we have? I'm just pulling up the Dave Davies stuff. You were ta- you talked about machine learning, which we are going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about later with um, Bryson Mounier from. Uh, I don't know what? I'm not sure where Bryson is from. <laughs> Sorry, Bryson, but we are going to be talking to you about machine learning. <laughs> uh, Bryson is going to be coming up in the second part of the show. We also have uh, Rob Boosie from Stat Search Analytics coming up in the first bit. We're going to be talking featured snippets and 
analytics with uh, with Bryson, but Dave, looking ahead into 2017, what were some of the stuff that that you were thinking of when uh, when, when you wrote your part for the uh, Search Engine Journal article? You know, when I was thinking about it, and one part, definitely going to be chatting a bit with Bryson um, as he's coming up. My two big ones, and I, I think we all, we agree, and it was funny because I read yours as well, of course, and we agreed but looked at different things as, as big. Love some of your amp comments, but we'll save that for a second from now. Um, I was really looking at machine learning as one of the big ones. Now, maybe it was top of mind because I was also public, like writing an article <laughs> for uh, Search Engine Land at the time on machine learning. So, of course, it was top of mind. Uh, that and the idea of voice search, but in a world with no display. Right, our, our Google Homes and Amazon Echoes. We're going to be talking about that in the third segment here, so I'll, I won't make any comments on it. But what did you cover? What did you think was, was really important coming up next year? Well, for some reason, I thought it was important to write this like long essay. <laughs> I ended up writing a book where everyone else wrote like three or four paragraphs. Okay, uh, machine learning is fascinating and how, how rapidly AI is advancing into the search space. Um, so that was number one, um, how that's going to have an effect on search, especially on local search in the coming years. Um, quite interested in, uh, the continued rise of mobile and how that's changing, uh, search behaviors and, you know, Google's obsession with voice search, which brings us to our in-home AI or our like in-office AI, like a digital assistant a digital scheduling assistant like um, uh, Dennis Mortensen's um, Amy or X.AI. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about AMP. <laughs> I, think I, I think I called AMP the cod liver oil of uh, initiatives. Yeah, you know what? And if you ask me uh, to remember, hey, what did Jim write about? That quote is the one that locked in. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so sure, why is it the cod liver oil of, of our well, industry? You know, if you're a then this is especially important if you're a publisher. If you're a publisher, it's not cod liver oil. It's actually kind of like oxygen. But for most of us, like conventional wisdom says, you should have super fast mobile pages. Uh, accelerated mobile pages is your ticket to super fast mobile pages, but it's bland and um, it's something that's good for your health. But how many? Google initiatives can you think of that were so critically important that Dave, you got to get on it right now. You got to get all your clients on it. Got to change everything we're doing because Google said so. And uh, six months to a year later, nobody cared because Google threw it out the window. Right. That may be something that happens with AMP, especially um, you know HTML5 is getting uh, developed and redeveloped again. Um, bandwidth is widening as we speak, devices are getting faster and faster. And pretty soon the trade-off between the completely stripped down version of a page you get with AMP and the need to actually market to people with like images and, uh, you know, video and flashy stuff. I got a feeling that AMP is merely a step up to better technologies. And then AMP's going to be completely forgotten. You know, after I read your thing, and I, I, it was funny, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but as soon as I started thinking about it that way, I'm like, are they really just pulling like a, I don't know, authorship kind of move on us right now? Like, do I think Google needed authorship for a bit? Sure. I think it, they learned a lot about how things work, and then they yeah. didn't need it anymore because they figured it out. And I was like, I wonder if at some point we're going to get this like, you know what, just, just as long as people are using Chrome, and you know what, IE will probably, or I guess Edge will probably jump on at some point and go, you know, as long as they're using one of the common browsers, we, we've got this now. Don't worry about it. You guys helped us with AMP. We figured it out. Don't worry. We got this. And then just do it on their own. Right? Like, will they need us to or will they just go, you know what, when people are on mobile, we've got this. Well, <laughs> like, we'll just strip out what we know happen. is crap. Yeah, I think it's precisely what's going to happen. Um, we want to think about schema. Folks, you always want to think about schema. Any way you can add extra information for either uh, Google or Bing to help figure out what's on the page or more importantly, you can get extra information into like your search results that make your search results stand out against your competitions. For heaven's sake, use it. Like 
it doesn't hurt. It doesn't slow down loading time of your page, and it only enhances uh, what your search results look like or how the search engines understand content on your on your on your pages. Like, yeah. schema is just one of those. Um, why aren't you using it? Sort of things. It's also you know if if, if you ever took uh, psychology or sociology in university, there's a it's kind of funny they named it schema. But I digress. <laughs> the last and most important uh, takeaway from the stuff I wrote, I think, was be like Ray Kurzweil. You don't got to agree with uh, his outlook, but you do got to be looking to the future all the time. And that's that's what Kurzweil has made a career on, is understanding what people will want in the in the digital world and extrapolating that 10, 15, 30, 50 years into the future. I suggest people read anything he wrote because Kurtz, Kurtzweil happens to be one of the lead, um, I guess, uh, philosophers at Google itself. So, so you're saying he might have a little insight? Well, he might, he might have a little insight. And again, even if everything that Kurtzweil wrote is wrong, the fact that he's one of Google's like lead thinkers... That in itself is an indication of where Google expects itself to be going in the near future. And SEOs have always got to be thinking about like the present, like what's happening in the present, because you know we're we're we're, we're dealing with almost real time search results. But you got to be thinking a few years into the future too, because our job is to advise our clients and to best position them for anything that might be coming down the pipe later. Yeah, indeed. Speaking of coming down the pipe, we got not one, but two different guests coming on two different segments. So we've got to tighten things up here on, uh, on Webcology on cranberry.fm. So a number of other stories we wanted to touch that I, you know, people should probably look into. Um, uh, Search Metrics uh, published a great paper on uh, ranking factors. You can find that over at Search Engine Land. Definitely, de- definitely worth looking at. Um, we are coming on a time with, uh, where SEO without actual search results pages, but we're going to be talking about that, um, in a later segment, but we have Rob Busey coming on the show from Stat Search Analytics. He's going to be up in a few moments. So friends, you are listening to Webcology on, on cranberry.fm. It's, uh, the 15th of December, 2016. We gotta take a break, but we'll be back with Rob Busey after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money studies show that companies waste 25 percent of their ppc spend on average the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your adwords account a lean mean converting machine whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level we have a class for you Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers. And engage with us anytime by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. So you can reach us before and after every program. Located on our new social shareable live streaming player. Access the new Cranberry Radio live stream player at our website, cranberry.fm. 
a more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 15th of December, 2016, our last show of 2016. And before we jump into the next session, something I forgot to mention in the uh, in our news section. You know, this week marks the 10th anniversary of Danny Sullivan's Search Engine Land and Third Door Media. So if anyone out there um, wants to, you know, find, find the dude on Facebook or uh, go over to Search Engine Land itself, and you just send Danny a note of congratulations and thanks, because uh, honestly, I don't think any of us could have gotten to the points we've gotten in our career. I'm not even sure if many of our careers exist. It wasn't for what Danny Sullivan did. Indeed. Okay, this is, gonna, this is an exciting segment. We have uh, Rob Boosie from Stat Search Analytics. Uh, Rob did a kick-in session at the most recent MozCon. Uh, Rob, welcome to Webcology. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, you were gonna, we were talking about um, schema in, uh, in our first segment, and, you know, it's, why wouldn't you use it? Uh, Rob, you are you specialize. You think about a lot about about uh, featured and rich snippets, eh? That's right. Yeah, we did a really deep research project where we took a, a million keywords and we analyzed the prevalence of whether or not featured snippets appeared, and had a whole bunch of information that came out of that that I rolled into that MozCon talk that you referenced. Well, I mean, basically, what what, what were your findings? Well, our findings were that featured snippets are this ever-increasing opportunity. You know, we first ran the data in, in January, and then we ran it again in July. What we found was in that six-month interval, there was like a 67% increase in featured snippets. And then we found that in January, they were mostly for like uh, informational queries. Like, I'm looking for definitive answers to definitive questions. But by the time July rolled around, all of a sudden, there are these commercial queries where there's a big opportunity for people to rank things like buyer's guides and high commercial intent content. And so the featured snippets are this big opportunity uh, for people to get you know, more visibility on the SERP because what's better than ranking above everything else in position zero? Uh, the data that we found uh, was just giving people advice on how to, how to rank in those positions. Um, why do you think a change happened in the six-month period? I mean, first it was informational queries. Now it's sort of like, you know, uh, product or shopping query. Why, why would that have changed like that? You know, I mean, we see featured snippets as a direct response to the rise of voice search and these always-on uh, assistant, digital assistant devices. You have Google Home, which you guys were just talking about. You have, you know, Amazon uh, Echo, the you know, Alexa, and, of course, you have the new Pixel phone. And the best user experience is if I speak a query... I want to have it spoken back to me. So featured snippets are a way for Google to address this user experience need. Why we saw that shift from informational to commercial, we think Google is just sort of testing the waters and figuring out what is good user experience, in which cases does it make sense to provide a featured snippet, in which case does it not make sense to provide a featured snippet. The, the interesting thing is someone pulled a lever at Google in that six-month period because take the word best. We had the word best in our data set like 63,000 times. And not once did it ever trigger a featured snippet in January. But then come July, it's triggering featured snippets like crazy. And best is a word that's used in like best laptop, best hiking boots, you know, best tennis rackets. Uh, so that's a, that's, that's a query that people are using in commercial queries. So yeah, the Google's just trying it out and seeing how far they can push it and seeing where the revenue opportunities are with this. All right, so I, I'm, I'm going to ask the obvious question here. So your, your findings have found a... a you know, a lot more use across a wide array of keywords. So what? Now what do I do? I mean, I'm asking this tongue-in-cheek. I'm not actually... <laughs> sound like a jerk here, but... So what? What do we do with this information? Now we know. Now what are you telling people to do about it? Well, I mean, that's a great question, obviously, because it's all great for me to just quote a bunch of numbers, but, like, how is it practical to my business? And the way I think about it is, as SEOs, we try to win the game by moving up the SERP. And short of moving up the SERP, the best way you have to differentiate yourself 
is to maybe try to gild your result. People are using emojis in their title tags, and people are using schema to get star reviews, star ratings on the SERP and things like that. But featured snippets are this way for Google to wrap a big box around your content and say like, hey, this is the best content in the entire world that answers the question you're asking right now. And for the searcher, that creates this huge halo effect of legitimacy for you. They think, wow, these, this is the best answer in the world. I'm going to go to this website. They're more likely to pick up what you're putting down when they land on your website from a featured snippet. Because, well, we have these, we've seen studies out there where we're seeing a lift in conversion rate when people come from the featured snippet. They're more likely to respond better to your message. So now, I mean, you, you bring up when I speak with like that a lot of this is a voice play. And so when I'm speaking, I'm getting a, a voice back. Okay, that's so far so good. You know, it might be like, where's a gas station, right? Or, or yeah. whatever, or what's the answer to this? And I'm driving down the road and I'm just wondering a part of a conversation. Um, so now, well, that's all well and good. Now it's told me this answer. Has there been any thought yet to what do I do with that? Like the, it's, it's great on a desktop where, yeah, I've got that reinforcement and I may click through and well now they've got Amazon links for these top 10 laptops or whatever the monetization strategy is on these top 10 review sites that, that might be doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but what do I do when I'm dealing with voice? How do I get back more than the answer? How do I really start to turn that into a, a reputation tool when voice may be the only thing or how do I turn that into a monetization point when really I it's, it's a voice talking back to me. Yeah, it, that's really unresolved. And there's this mixing of, of, of intent signals that we're seeing right now where like really the voice queries, the I'm in my car, I, I'm making a pie and my hands are covered in flour and I'm talking to my Amazon, my, my Google Home device. Those aren't commercial moments. I'm not looking to purchase a new snowboard while I'm driving my car, uh, which is sort of the main intent behind voice search. However, let's just say I'm WebMD. And I, uh, uh, if I am present in the featured snippet for many spoken queries about you know, various medical issues, I'm doing great sort of emphasis of my brand name every time it gets spoken back. Oh, I found this result from WebMD, and here's what WebMD says about the symptoms you're having. So there is a way on a pure voice perspective to drive legitimacy for your brand and, and, and for your brand to appear everywhere. And as we all know, branding exercises are all about, you know, consistency, hitting that brand message over and over and over. So the, the voice interactions give you that side of it. I don't believe that we have yet crossed any threshold to a point where commercial behavior is tied to voice search. I don't think that's happening yet. And I think the big gap there is that these devices are voice in, voice out, and that's not really great for going very deep with any kind of interaction or even making a purchase. I believe, if I'm to guess what the future holds, it holds uh, uh, commodity low-priced screens that are paired with the voices. Obviously, your phone is one of them. It's a natural choice. But in the kitchen, on your fridge, in your bathroom, on the mirror, these screens that are paired with the voice device. So I speak something and it flashes information to the screen. I think that is more where we'll start to see voice blend in with typical kind of desktop browsing type behavior. Okay, well, Rob, my, 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 my first thought when you were saying that was, well, I mean, it's got to be a word like um, want, purchase, buy, that might trigger a, uh, a, commercial, a commercial SERP rather than an uh, informational SERP. Mm -hmm. But then you said it's, it's also the device you're using. For instance, like our, our growing in-home devices – if you're uh, talking to your bathroom mirror or talking near your fridge, you're suggesting that that might be a trigger for a different type of result? Yeah, I mean, we're getting into pretty speculative territory, which I'm, I'm, I, I don't mind being there. <laughs> but, you know, speculation. As long as the audience is. is aware. It's, yeah. You're just speculating so here. So like, let's, let's imagine a future where there is devices in, every, in, in rooms in the home and it knows where I'm speaking from and it knows the nearest screen in my home to flash the information to. And let's say there's a small narrow field projection device that sits on top of my mirror. So when I am in my bathroom and I'm shaving and I don't have any razors, I say, hey, find me some razors. And all of a sudden on my mirror, I see three different razors and I select the one I want and it's delivered to my house. Amazon would love to do that. The, the Amazon Echo or has sort of part of that, but the, the remaining missing piece for many people to feel comfortable making a commercial transaction is to see what they're buying and to click okay, right? Those, those are, the, I think, the key things they want. And so that's that next step. 
and it'll be the same in the kitchen. I, I speak to my device on the surface of my fridge. The, the, the response comes up. I click, yes, okay, I want to buy that milk and have that delivered to my house, and I move on with my day. So I think that's the missing gap between voice search and commercial action is the screen. So what... Oh, go ahead, Jim. Go for it, Dave. Go for it up. Okay, so I'm going to move us a little bit sidetracked here for, for sure. just a second because we're talking featured snippets and we're, we're going down a, a rabbit hole because I, I think yeah. you're spot on right here. Um, and then I think in a lot of cases, maybe a little less you know, critical with a grocery store thing, I think I would be perfectly comfortable telling my whatever Google Home, get me some milk from whatever I know I drink Island Farm, right? Like, get it. I don't need to see it. <laughs> I know exactly what that container will look like. Or get me some broccoli. But you're right. With razors, I don't know. I, I don't know. I need to know. I, I need to see it. It's blue packet, whatever. Um, but since we're on the subject of featured snippets, right? I mean, essentially, they're what's helping to produce these results. Not necessary, but they help. What do we do like okay now what are we telling webmasters let's get it off the commercialization side and go okay yeah. you're just you, you bought in you want to start getting featured snippets okay now yeah, what now what does this cool. webmaster do yeah so what we did is we looked at this million queries right and we saw that there are three core different types of featured snippet you have like your paragraph featured snippets your list featured snippets and your table snippets and when we broke out the individual words in each uh, query, we were able to correlate certain query types with certain formats. So for example, from looking at the data, we saw that whenever it was a commercial query or people wanted to compare products, Google showed a table snippet. And whenever it was directions or instructions, it was a list. And whenever it was more broader information or like definitions and things like that, it would have been a paragraph. So the advice we're making to people is pay attention to the format of the snippets in your query space because Google is telling you what sort of content format they want to put in the snippet. So if for your keywords that you're targeting, you see predominantly tables, structure your content into a table. You're giving Google the confidence to extract that information and put it in the user experience that they want to show that searcher for that particular query that they're doing. So that's a way to give Google that great confidence that you have the right content they can extract. Beyond actually formatting your content, the whole question of, well, how do I get featured snippets? You know, there's not a lot of information that's definitive on, well, here are the signals that Google looks for to decide that you're eligible for a featured snippet. But obviously on-page content, the proximity of the answer to the question being asked on the page are some obvious ones. I would say the biggest thing, though, is a sense of topical authority. Google's looking at the site and going, this, this, this query belongs within a certain topic, and do I consider this website to be an authority on this topic? If so, then there's some threshold that is passed where they decide that you're eligible for a snippet. But one other thing I would add to that is we see a huge amount of volatility in these things. Like, the, like if you had a snippet yesterday, you're not going to have it tomorrow. You might not have it the next day. It's flipping around a lot because Google is trying out different uh, answers, different content to see what's the right fit. We haven't gotten this far in our research yet, but what I'm curious to know is when does that calm down? Like when does somebody become an incumbent and it's no longer volatile? So, you know, you're taking me on exactly the path I wanted to go down. So thank you. <laughs> I, think no I think we've only got time for one more question. And I wanted to make sure to get this one in. Okay. So we would know just, just by necessity in, in our industry that links aren't necessarily the core factor to something like an answer. So, you know, right now they, they weigh in, but in, in this instance, they may not be the strongest signal. They may not even be in the top sort of five of, of the signals on authority to a, to a specific answer. So with this kind of playing around, do we think Google's actually trying to learn what type of pure content um, might be better to rank, sort of trying to understand the semantics and, and that sort of thing around what would and what wouldn't rank get some machine learning in there and be able to put newer sites or, or you know, unlinked to content higher up as, as better answers. Do we think this may be the signal of, of sort of a completely different way of viewing search results? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to extrapolate what we're experiencing with snippets, uh, uh, feature snippets to any greater change within the SEO industry in terms of, you know, are links going to be valuable in the future or not? I think specifically when it pertains to understanding human language, it's important that Google is able to match the words used in a query with the intent of the user. So for example, if I say the word blue, am I talking about the sky or am I talking about my mood? 
understanding that context is really important. And that is where that plays into featured snippet selection. And that's, I think, where the volatility comes from. Because if Google's training this through machine learning, they need a lot of inputs. And so one of the inputs is user interaction with the snippets. But I don't think that signals, signals a broader change for the SEO industry in terms of how Google ranks web pages. I think that's a bit too far of a leap for me to make, at least, in the limited research I have. Okay, Rob, I'm afraid we, we, I hate doing this, but we have to cut you off because we have another guest coming up. we got another commercial break, and we need you to come back on the show uh, sometime in 2017. You bet. I would love it. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, um, Rob, Rob Busey from uh, Stat Search Analytics, thank you so much for joining us on Web College today. Uh, friends, stick around. We got Bryson Mounier, SEO director at Vivid Seats, coming up. He's going to be talking about Nest, Cortana, and the uh, home AI products. So, you know, moving on a little bit from uh, from what Robert's been talking about. But before we get there, we got to take a break. You're listening to Webology on uh, Cranberry.fm. It's the 15th of January, 2016. Dave Davies and I will be back after these messages. tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero, and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited, so contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Jamming and spamming. Cashing in the clicks. SEO is always in session. Only on Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 15th of December 2016 and we are rounding out the hour with Bryson Menier. He's the SEO Director at Vivid Seats. Uh, Bryson's been around for nearly 15 years. Uh, you can read him at Search Engine Land, Marketing Land, .NET Magazine, and uh, dude speaking all over the place. Um, probably jump into the to the to the interview itself, Bryson. Um, people want to hear you speak. Where are you going to be appearing next? You know, I'm going to be at SMX West next, so uh, I'm going to be speaking on the voice search panel, and also going to be doing a, a, a workshop, a mobile SEO workshop with uh, Sherry Thoreau. Oh, that's that that. Sherry's always a lot of fun. Um, and actually, oh, yeah. you're a you're a former webmaster uh, webmaster radio host. You were working with uh, Cindy Crum on Mobile Presence uh, years ago, eh? Yeah, years ago. It uh, yep, that's right. 
Okay, so the whole sh- throughout the show, we've mentioned um, the rise of AI and home assist products. Uh, we've been talking about business schedulers like uh, Dennis Mortensen's um, Amy or X.AI. And you've been fascinated with, uh, with Nest and with uh, uh, Google Home and I guess now Microsoft's Cortana. Um, what is the, the, the rise of these like home AI-esque products? What's that going to do to the traditional SERPs? I mean, most, most of us think about like, you know, search results as the 10 blue links and PPC and, you know, rich snippets and one boxes and all that sort of stuff. But what happens when we're just talking to a device in our, in our home? Yeah, it, it makes the traditional SERPs disappear. Uh, it's, it's kind of magic like that. So, um, yeah, what happens is I don't know how many people have actually used Google Home, but it's, it's growing uh, or, or um, you know, the Amazon Echo as well. But what happens when you search for something is that, uh, and there are a number of different queries that you can do, you don't just have to search. But what happens when you search for something is that uh, it doesn't really, it just reads from the featured snippet. So, it, you know, the what you would think of as the 10 blue links are, are really gone, and there's only one link, if that. Um, so it's, a, it's a, a brave new world, certainly. Well, if you're, uh... If you're in an SEO shop, as as you might be, how do you think about this future? How should how, how do you look to it or plan for it? You know, I think the only thing that you can do is well, there are a couple of things that you can do. So one, um, I would suggest that you understand like what types of queries are affected by this and what types aren't. So you know, I, I don't think it's time for people to start declaring SEO is dead uh, just because you know certain search results are going away. Uh, I mean, they're going to do that anyway. They have obviously for, you know, since 1997 when SEO came about. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's important for you to understand that it really only affects two different query classes right now. So it's if people are asking questions and they, they want, you know, more information on something, um, then Google is going to provide web results, but featured snippets from those web results. And when they do that, they're going to attribute whatever the page was. And then the other part is, you know, if they're looking for local information, they're going to use maps results. Uh, and, you know, webmasters can also through um, their uh, Google My Business uh, uh, dashboard, you know, start to optimize for that kind of stuff, too. So the first thing is, you know, understand those query classes. And I would not recommend that. I mean, you really can't optimize for certain types of queries that that Google Home can answer, like my my kids all the time, um, you know, they're very fond of asking Google, uh, you know, okay, Google, what does a, a sheep sound like? Or what does a donkey sound like? My, my phone just responded to that. So um, but <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that, you know, SEOs start optimizing for these types of queries because they're not the types of queries that businesses can actually monetize, right? So, um, you know, there are certain query types that Google Home is going to handle all the time and that might see a lot of volume but you know i have no idea how um you know they, they could ever be valuable to a business uh so that that's the first part of you know you have to understand those query classes so uh, how important is, yeah. is oh sorry no go ahead so how important is it then that we as, as seos that we as marketers actually invest in these products like to me i can't understand what google home is until i have one in my house and start using it and watch just as you're talking about watch your kids use it and understand what they're doing and and then start to really think about it yeah i mean i think that seos in general should be early adopters and um, you know start to get some of this technology that that google is investing in and it's really not that expensive i mean we're talking about like 129 dollars basically for google home and you can get a, an Amazon Echo or one of those dots for like 50 bucks. So uh, it's not a, a huge investment and it really helps you understand like, you know, is this a viable product? Is this something that, you know, my kids and other people's kids and, you know, people in general are going to use? Or is it something that, you know, people are going to look at and, and just kind of uh, leave on the shelf and and that's going to be the end of it? So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been uh, investing in, you know, I have a smartwatch and, have a Google Home, and I think it's important for SEOs to to experiment with this emerging media and make sure that you know you are 
ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, you know the devices that Google is going to be promoting. Sometimes when you want to look at the future, we got to look at the recent past. And you know some of the stuff that Google has been pushing, like the initiatives it's been most interested in, um, mobile search for the last two years, voice search for the last what nine to twelve months. And most recently, they're uh, mobile first on everything strategy. And it, it sort of strikes yeah. me that their obsession with mobile and especially with voice search is the, I don't know, the signal point that products like like Home or Echo or now Microsoft's Cortana, um, this is where Google sees its users and thus its future going. Yeah, seems like it. I mean, they... You know, they have, it's kind of strange that they do because um, some of these products like are not advertising focused. Uh, it's more about actually selling the product. And Google, you know, as everybody knows, is Google because of AdWords uh, or an AdSense. So uh, I'm curious to see, you know, is this a new strategy for them to, you know, uh, not rely so much on AdWords and AdSense and more on those products. But that's kind of a different uh, different animal than the SEO aspect. Well, indeed. I mean, actually, my follow-up question for this is how are they going to monetize this? But, um, I mean, that's, I guess that's that's a really difficult question to answer at this point, eh? Yeah, I mean, the only way that they can monetize it is just by selling more Google Homes. Um, but I don't know how they, you know, how they continue to monetize it because um, I mean, you can upgrade the device, I suppose. Uh, but it, yeah, but there's it's definitely a saturation point here, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also we have Amazon coming on with a similar product. And Amazon can supply anything to anyone, anytime, anywhere. That's 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 uh, Bezos. That's Bezos' big brag, right? Um, could this, and this again? This is a wild question that's almost impossible to answer, but. I just want a gut sense on this. Could you know we've always been looking for the great Google killer? Could Google possibly be killing itself? <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I mean, I think they're they're Google always reinvents themselves, and um, you know I don't think that they've reinvented themselves this big uh, in a while. But you know they're they're getting into uh, automated cars, you know, automated um, you know self driving cars and and um, different business models. I mean, they're already into, you know, they have Nest as a business model, and I think they're just really trying to diversify, but yeah, it's, it's it. I, I hope that they don't diversify so much that they kill off, you know, the search aspect of the business that, that really made them. Something you suggested a, uh, a few answers ago was that SEOs have to get their hands dirty. They gotta play with this stuff, do some experiments. If you're thinking of running experiments in the uh, in the world of voice search or in the world of um, home assistant devices, how would you stage your experiments? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I, one experiment that I did um, specifically with Google Home was just to, to get a sense of um, whether or not Google Home, you know, um, can read promotional snippets. Um, so if some of the snippets that they would read could actually be promotional for the brand. And, you know, we just um, basically looked at the featured snippets because that's how the, uh, that's how, what powers Google Home and what powers the Google Assistant. And, you know, we looked at which of the, um, just, uh, it, was, it was all really based on those featured snippets. So um, I, I don't know, you know, how we would set up an experiment in general, but I can just tell you, you know, how we did it here, if you're interested. Sure. Sure, so, um, you, you know, we uh, set up, just looked at the featured snippets across the board because that's, um, you know, what powers it, as I said, and, and you know, just did queries uh, with Google Home to see how Google Home responded to these. And, you know, in, in uh, many cases, Google Home actually does uh, you know, does read promotional snippets. So it's worthwhile for SEOs to not just write completely informational copy, but also to, you know, put some sort of message in there that's uh, positive for your brand. Um, 
but yeah, the, in general, the experiments require that you, you know, just interact with the device. It's not something that, um, you know, you can't run automated tracking or, you know, the way that you can with the service today. So are we seeing perhaps a, a day in the near future where every SERP essentially will need to have a featured snippet attached to it? Now, it may not be visible, say, on desktop, but will it just lends itself to Google needs an answer for everything, regardless of what it is, if voice is becoming more and more popular. And if people start doing these complex or, or different types of queries on their Google Home because, because it's there. Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely a possibility. Um, but I think that, you know, Google just uh, announced a developer program where you can actually uh, do actions. So, and I don't know that they're going to power everything by featured snippets in the future. I think they're going to work specifically with developers to set up, you know, interactions with the device. Um, I, I tried calling an Uber the other day. I don't know um, if you guys, you know, have ever tried to do this with uh, the, the Google Home device, but uh, you know, I said call me an Uber, and uh, Google didn't actually handle the interaction. Uh, it was interesting because um, she treated this Uber as though it were another person that she had to go ask. So she's like, you know, oh, let me let me go get Uber. <laughs> For you, and so, uh, and then Uber came up and said, "Oh, hello, I'm Uber. How can I help you?" So, and I think that this is how it's going to, how how it's going to be in the future. You know, where you have um, brands actually, you know, not relying so much on featured snippets, but being uh, experts in a category where you know they're going to provide their own assistance. Okay, and I'm afraid on that we're going to have to leave it, Bryson. We've fresh run out of time, but again, you're another guy we got to get coming on on the show in 2017. Thank you so much for Great. joining us today on our last show of 2016. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, friends. That was uh, Bryson um, Menier from uh, the SEO director at Vivid Seats, and I'm afraid we are fresh out of time. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, I'm Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We want to thank Rasco for being like the, 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 the greatest producer of all time. Thank you for another amazing year on the radio. And, uh, you know, thank Cranberry Radio and uh, formerly Webmaster Radio for all this time that we've had. Um, friends, we're not going to talk to you until uh, 2017. So stay safe. Stay smart. Don't drink and drive. Don't smoke pot and drive. Don't do you know. Don't do stupid stuff over the holidays because we want y'all back here in 2017. But in the meantime, it's Christmas time. It's Hanukkah. It's uh, it's wonderful holidays. So friends, love each other. We'll talk to you next year. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm.